Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. While you're standing, Philippians 3, I want to invite your attention to turn with me there. Philippians chapter 3. Amen. I want to begin reading um, chapter 3, verse 17. Philippians 3, verses 17. I'm going to go all the way to verse 21. It says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The New King James says that we eagerly wait for the coming of the Lord. Verse 21, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even so or even to subdue all things unto himself. And I want to preach just for the next few moments from this title for you to consider today heavenly minded heavenly minded amen and if you help me this morning you may be seated in jesus name anyone here today um love just to uh get away um love i mean we're in vacation season right brother right so i mean it is apparent that there are we love to get away. Uh, there are, we love to just get away. Anybody love that? Love to get away, catch a break, catch your breath, take a vacation, go someplace where no one knows your name. We, we love that. All right. Um, and uh, we, we like to travel. We like to uh, jump in the car. My wife was just discussing just a couple of days ago. Hey, uh, we need to, we need to, we always are, tradition that we started a couple years ago was we get away for Thanksgiving. Um, and, uh, and so with the new baby coming in October, that might be very hard to get away with a one month old, but my wife, she's a diehard, like, let's get away. It's, it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll have the baby. It's no issue. And I'm thinking, <laughs> okay. Um, no. Um, but, uh, you know, I, you ever have, especially for those of you who are traveling with your family, uh, you, you get going down the road and when we're headed to Florida, uh, we probably make it all the way to, uh, Swanwick and, um, and you hear the dreaded question come from the back seats. Are we there yet? And, uh, it's, we just left, um, but, you know, to young children, they seriously have no concept of, hey, it is, 
800 miles to the other side of the country, uh, it's going to be a minute before you are, it's legal to ask that question, are we there yet? But uh, what it is, is we were, we were going somewhere and we were excited to be there. And the reality of it was that we weren't there yet. Maybe another analogy uh, to give you for you to consider is how many of you have ever um, ordered something online and you are excited to receive the package? And so you would stand there waiting for the package, not trying to be obvious when the FedEx man comes up. You know, I'm just out here watering the plants, but really I'm keeping an eye on the front porch. Like, really, I'm kind of like, anybody, anybody want to be brave and say, that's that's me? Yeah, that's what we do. All right, you're, you're trying, uh, you're waiting, and there's this anticipation, there's this expectation that is attached to this waiting period. And while you are waiting, you are trying your best not to lose your mind, uh, whether it be getting to the destination or you're trying not to lose your mind waiting for something to come in the mail. You're trying not to wear everybody out while you're waiting. But the reality of it is, is that you are not there yet. You haven't received it yet. And so, tucked within our text this morning in the third chapter of Philippians is an expression. It is a word that the Apostle Paul uses that, and it reflects the sentiment of my children who are trying with patience to wait until we get there but wanting to know, are we there yet? Tucked within this text this morning is this word. It is this phrase that Paul uses that is like someone that is waiting on a gift. Someone who is waiting on something that they really want to come. And it hasn't happened yet. But they haven't lost hope. They are still waiting. And that's what I want us to zero in on this morning. It's in that 20th verse, Paul said, I eagerly await the coming of Jesus. I eagerly await the coming of Jesus. I don't know about you, but it's rather difficult for me um, to not think about heaven more in the day that you and I live in. Let me ask you, have you thought about eternity lately? Have you considered eternity? Have you thought about heaven recently? You see, I think that we need a more robust theology of eternal life in the church. I know that we are ambitious about preaching the kingdom of God, and we should be ambitious about preaching the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, it was the message of John the Baptist. It is the message of the man Christ Jesus that he preached. It is the message that the 12 preached. It is the message that the 70 preached. And it is the message that the resurrected Christ preached in Acts chapter 1 after he rose from the dead. I am aware 
and embrace the fact that the kingdom of God is what we should preach and what we should demonstrate, but there should be no theology created that leaves heaven out of the picture. I think today there are many congregations that are struggling in this hour. And one of the main reasons is because somewhere along the journey, people stopped stepping and, and, and getting up on their tiptoes, looking forward to a place that Jesus created for us. And we have a bunch of people right now who are running around and they are prophesying and and I'm thankful for prophecy please don't misunderstand me one third of the Bible is prophecy I'm thankful for prophecy and, and and prophecy is important I value the gift of prophecy we should have prophets but the scripture lets us know in revelation that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus And we got people who are coming out with podcasts and videos about exactly when Jesus is coming back. And we have people that are guaranteeing dates. This is when he's coming back. How many know that we have a more excellent prophecy than that? (laughs) And you know what? I'll never have to stand up here and apologize to you if I preach this book. I'll never have to say I'm sorry for giving you a date and a time if I preach this book. If I preach Jesus, I'll be all right. The gift of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Prophecy is not supposed to frighten you. It's supposed to lead you to the cross. It's supposed to lead you to Jesus. And I'm a little bit concerned with some in this day and time because we sometimes have this infatuation with things that are not ancient and authentic. It seems to me that there are some that are so hungry for something that is new that we have abandoned what is true in the pursuit of something that is just new. My mom, she is an unbelievable cook. She is an amazing cook. And growing up in the southern Illinois, uh, we fried everything. We fried it all. Chicken, eggs, potatoes, Oreos. I'm just kidding about the Oreos. We went down to the state fair for those. <laughs> one thing my mom was she was amazing at was fried chicken any fried chicken lovers in the house today can I get an amen all right you're with me all right and 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 she would fry up that chicken and it was it was just unbelievable and I never watched her do it I just always reaped the reward of it I was just always there in the kitchen but what happens is is my mom she don't know how to cook for two or three or five she cooked for 20, 25 people. As like, Mom, it's just us four, us four boys here in the house. Like, who else is going to eat this? So what we would have all the time is leftovers. How many leftover people out there? I have a, a limit. One day in the fridge, that's it. I, I don't eat it anything past that. Coming to somebody like, Chili, the third day is amazing. No, not in my house. 
But what happens is, is she has leftovers and she puts those leftovers in the fridge. And the next day I start to crave a little bit of that chicken. And so I walk over and I'm like, mom, I, I'm, I'm craving some of that chicken. So she's like, no problem. She gets out of the fridge, puts it on a plate. She throws it in the microwave. It comes out. It's sizzling. It's hot. But when I put it in my mouth, it does not agree with me. It is nowhere close to what it was the day before. Out of the microwave on Friday is nothing compared to out of the skillet on Thursday. <laughs> and it's not that my mom needs a new recipe. It's just that she needs a fresh batch of what has always been good. And what concerns me is there is some who are trying to change the recipe and the recipe doesn't need change. We just need a fresh batch of what's already good. If the world needs anything right now, it needs a church that knows Jesus Christ and knows how to preach Jesus Christ and knows how to worship Jesus Christ. I still believe, and I know this church still believes. I still believe in the old rugged cross. I still believe in an empty tomb and a man that hung on a tree. I believe that he's good enough to save every white, black, red, yellow, no matter where you come from. He's still able. There's still one name under heaven whereby you and I must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. Would you clap your hands under him today? This Bible that we believe, this Bible that we preach, it is an antique. I'm not denying that one bit, but we still preach it and we still believe it because it still works. There's still power in the blood. There's still power in his name. In this text, Paul reminds us. He said, we eagerly await the coming of Jesus. And the Greek word here, it, 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 it means to be waiting with fervent passion. Almost like a child on a trip. Almost like a person waiting on a package to come. You want it and you're waiting fervently with passion and I'm afraid there are people who are not hungry for heaven anymore I am concerned that there are some who have been become comfortable with this world down here there is less joy in this generation right now because there is less thought about heaven do you recognize that this man, Paul, these words that he wrote, he wrote these words while he was in prison. And five times he used the word joy. And 11 times he used the verb rejoice. In a prison. And we got people saying, well, uh, they're going to take my rights away. They're gonna, they're, they can't take your freedom away. 
Hear me right now. Don't confuse yourself and think that it was America that granted you your freedom. Don't forget that it was the man on the tree that granted you your real freedom. And there may come a day where they take this building. There may come a day where they take some things from us. But one thing they can't take is my freedom, which was signed by the blood of the Lamb of God. And he that the Son set free, I need you to believe this with me, is free. Free in D. This man who wrote this book is in jail. And he says 11 times, rejoice. He, he said, count it all, joy. How did he talk about joy in a prison? How did he talk about joy while he was shackled up, unable to go anywhere he wanted to? I'm sure he was felt like he was like, I, he had no freedom at all. And there he was talking about, be counted all joy and rejoice. How was he able to do that? I'll tell you how. You ready? He knew where he was headed. He knew where he was going. He was on his way to heaven. Heaven. And some people today have lost their joy. And you know what? If this world were my final destination, I would have lost my joy too. But I got joy today. Anybody else got joy today? I have joy today because I know and understand I'm not just a citizen of this nation. Paul tells me why he has joy. He said, remember, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. But are we there yet? I, I hope not. I hope not. If we're there, don't tell me. If this is it, don't tell me. We're not there yet. Now, we can experience a taste of heaven. Praise God. What we had just a few short moments ago in our worship service, you know what that was? It was a taste of heaven. But I want you to know there's coming a day when there won't be just a taste of heaven, but we will stand in eternal bliss in heaven. There's a coming a day where we'll see the King. And there'll be no time limitation where we got to get out of here and do other things. There won't be any of that. I won't need to take a break and sit down because I get a little bit weary. I get a little bit tired. But I'm going to get up there and I'm going to sing a song that the angels cannot sing. When they look at our generation, what will be the song that we sing? You know what it is? Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Anybody glad today that you've been redeemed? Anybody glad today that your sins have been washed away? Anybody glad today that when the Lord looks on your life, He sees His blood? We have less joy today because there are so many that have forgotten where we're going. I'm going to heaven. I've already made up my mind. I'm going to heaven. Amen. And there is less joy today because we have forgot where it is we're going. Hey, Paul, how can you have joy in the middle 
of all of that mess, Paul would say it's because I know where I'm headed. I know where I'm headed. Some of you need to realize that on your worst day, and I know we have a lot of worst days. It's hard to narrow that down anymore, which one is worse than the other. But you need to realize that you're going to face some uphills. You're going you're gonna to go downhill. You're going to be in some valleys sometimes. But on your worst day, you're still the devil's worst nightmare. On your worst day, you're still a child of the king. On your worst day, you still have a mansion yeah. over the hillside. I want to remind you this morning of where we're headed. I want to remind you that we're on our way to a city whose builder and maker is God. And I don't know about you, but my soul has joy this morning. My soul has joy. When you begin to look at the early days, the early days of Pentecost, you will find that there was much said, and there was much sung, and there was much preached uh, uh, and taught about the coming of the Lord and about heaven itself about the new heaven and the new earth, about the new Jerusalem. There were singers who would sing about it. Songwriters would write about it. Preachers would preach about it. Teachers would expound upon it and teach about it. There was an excitement. There was real, genuine joy that really surrounded the church and filled the church with the idea that the Lord would return. It was not something that they dreaded. It was something that they looked forward to. It was something, as Paul said, I eagerly await the coming of the Lord. I'm going to read some of the lyrics to the songs that were written, and thank God we still sing them today. Amen. Here's one. There's a land that is fair today, and by faith we can see it afar. For the Lord waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. Here's another one. There's a happy land of promise over in the great beyond where the saved of earth shall soon the glory share, where the souls of men shall enter and live on forevermore. Everybody will be happy over there. Think about that message. Everybody. <laughs> Everybody. We'll be happy over there. Who are you talking about, Bryce? Well, I'm talking about mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers. We'll be singing around the throne in that land where no one ever knows a care. And the Christians of all ages are going to join in the triumph song. Everybody will be happy over there. We're going to meet the one who saved us and who kept us by his grace. The one who brought us to that land so bright and fair. We will praise his name forever as we look upon his face. Everybody, every, if you're excited about it, I need you to clap your hands right now. Everybody will be happy over there.
song with such joy, such excitement, such anticipation, because they truly were excited to go to heaven. Everybody gets joy when you sing about heaven. Everybody gets a smile on their face when you start singing about heaven. And this is the issue, though. When we don't think about heaven, when we don't sing about heaven, when we don't preach about heaven, we lose our joy. There are some people in this room right now. (laughs) You've got more on the other side waiting on you than you do on this side. You got more waiting on the other side for you than you do on this side. And we get heartbroken when a loved one goes on to meet the Lord. And our souls are heavy and rightfully so, but our spirits should be happy because, listen, they're in a place, amen, that the saints used to call no more. Why would they call it no more? Because there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more cancer. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more doubt. There'll be no more death. I want to remind you, there is a reason for the saints to rejoice today. If you got your name written in the Lamb's book of life, we are on our way. We are on our way. You lose your joy when you stop thinking about it. When you're not heavenly minded. Another things that another thing that happens when we don't think about heaven, when we don't talk about heaven, you know what happens? We get carnal. Okay, we get carnal. First John chapter 3 says, The people that have this hope, that the hope that I'm talking about, the people that have this hope, purify themselves. Purify themselves. And when you know that you're on your way somewhere and you got to get there a certain way. How many know there's one way? You got to get through the blood. All right, this is the way. You got to get, you got to go by way of the cross. We're on our way to a place that only has one way. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that there, there is a way that seems right to man. Nobody in their right mind would go the wrong way. Nobody in their right mind would purposely choose the wrong way. But the Bible says that it seemed right. Have you ever been on your way to a place that maybe you've uh, been there uh, uh, two or three times and 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 you're on your way and you've you've just been there just a few times and all of a sudden you're driving down the road and your wife looks over at you and she says do you know where you're at? Huh. Suck a nerve. Um, and, and you in your <laughs> gentleness and pride, I'll just say it here. Well, it, it seems right 
it seems like I've seen that tree before or that telephone pole before or in southern Illinois, those cows before. You know, it's, it seems like I've been here only to get on your phone and actually type in the address and to find out you're nowhere even close to where you're supposed to be. I went to preach for a church one time up in Belleville. How do you get lost in Belleville? Right? You know. How do you get, and I, I punched it in my GPS. I was like, I was like, I'm going to use the GPS. And, and I had never been there before, but I was going down the road. I was following GPS instruction. And everything just seemed right to me, only till I wind up behind some furniture store staring at some trees. Five minutes before service started. Tried to pull the bishop move and walk in late, not bishop like bishop. I'm talking about, you know, bishop who would come to church late. We're ready to preach the word of God. Come in late, uh, late to church. It seemed right to me, only to find out I wasn't even close to where I was supposed to be. There are some people today that are traveling down a road that may seem right, but hear me right now. You need to hear the voice of God today, Who's gonna that voice that's going to keep you on the right way and make sure that you don't get off on some crazy way. How many know there's some crazy ways that people are taking today? Let me say this. Heaven is not some like multiple choice. Hebrews lets us know that it is appointed unto man once to die. And then the judgment. We don't get like four or five choices or four or five chances. You have this life and this life only to determine, will I follow Jesus who is the way or will I go down a way that seems right, that feels right? And when you and I forget that heaven is our home, <laughs> And we don't have this hope of eternal life. We start living carnally. Some people have lost their joy today because they forgot that they are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And some of us have lost our holy living because we think that we're going to be here forever and ever and ever. And there are some people who are like, I'm in my 20s. I got life by the tail. Listen to me. Be careful. Be careful. The Bible says that we got to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. I don't want you to miss heaven. Jesus doesn't want you to miss heaven. This church doesn't want you to miss heaven. So there's no use in wasting your time and taking all these chances. There's somebody here today that needs to decide, I'm going to live the rest of my life eagerly awaiting the coming of the Lord. Keep your joy. Keep your holy living. This is why Paul, if you read this, if you read this text, Paul calls these people who came into the church and began to deceive the church. You know what he called them? Dogs. Dogs. He called them dogs. Now, I'm not advocating that we just, we go to name calling or anything like that, but uh, I don't think that would be necessary at all. But the reason that he called them dogs is because they were devouring the innocence of the church. They were feasting on the innocence and the, the naiveness, uh, uh, the, 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 the purity of the church. 
And, and the people, uh, and people believe that Paul was addressing uh, Gnostics. And if you know anything about Gnostics, they were people that, that taught essentially that there were two things in the entire universe. And anything that was matter, anything that had substance what, what, what was evil, and anything that was spirit was pure. And so they said, they, they said, hey, your body, it's substance, it's matter, your body is evil. And since your body is evil, do with it whatever you want. And Paul said, that's hear us. I want to tell you today that there are, that, that we got, that the, the, the stuff there, there's stuff out there that churches are calling grace and, and, and that's grace and this is grace, but heaven has a total different viewpoint of it. Heaven would call it something completely opposite. What's that mean, Bryce? Well, there are some who have taken the grace of God and turned it into a license to sin. If you'll let me, I'm going to preach the truth to you today in love, all right? Jesus came to break the chains of sin off of you and off of me. And he did not come to give us coping skills. He came to help us overcome this slave master called sin. Sin is not your friend. Sin is not your buddy. Sin is not somebody and something that you take a stroll through the park with and, and makes you feel a little bit comfortable. No, 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 no. Sin is not any of that. James says that in the end, sin brings forth death. I know this is a little heavy right now. Stay with me, all right? But what we have in this day is a false teaching of grace that you can come and you can pray a sinner's prayer and you can run back to your old life and you can do whatever you want to and then one day at the end of it all, you're going to get a little get out of hell free card. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friend, that's not the actions of born-again believers. When you are born again of water and the Spirit, you love God and you hate evil. Amen. You love people. You run from evil and you run to righteousness. And when you fall into sin and it knocks you down, you humbly take yourself up to an altar and humble yourself before God and weep and say, God, forgive me. And he cleanses you and he gives you grace to keep on going. When you live pure and holy lives, you walk in the favor and the blessing of God. You walk in the power of his presence. There's another problem whenever you're not heavenly minded, whenever you quit thinking about heaven, whenever you stop preaching about heaven whenever you stop singing about heaven there's a there's another problem that happens not only do we lose our joy not only are we do we get carnal but the church loses its evangelistic fire which is something we're fighting for when we quit thinking about heaven we forget who the evangelists are. I'm going to share a scripture with you. Paul, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he charged Timothy. He said, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work 
of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Church, I want you to know that you are the evangelist. Why don't you elbow the person beside you and say, hey, you, he's talking to you right now. You are the evangelist, amen. You do the work of an evangelist, amen. You don't hire out your evangelism just like you don't hire out your worship and you don't hire out your testimony and you don't hire out your faithfulness. Listen to me, nobody but you knows what the Lord has done for you. And you don't have to be a preacher with a microphone standing in your hands. You just need to get in front of somebody that's lost and tell them exactly what the Lord has done for you. And that'll be better than any message you'll ever hear me preach. If you just tell them what it is the Lord has done for you. I was a mess. I was a wreck. Amen. He did save a wretch like me. I was lost and on my way to hell. But then I met a man. I met a man who went to a cross and died for my sins. Anybody know who I'm talking about today? Anybody have that same testimony? Don't lose your evangelistic fire. He that winneth souls is wise, wise. Your life matters for Christ. Your inactivity matters. There is someone who needs you to show them Jesus. Well, I'm just going to coast through this life and I'm just going to stay undercover and I'm just going to make it to heaven. Find that in the Word of God. Where are the people who will tell the story? Where are the people who will testify of the goodness of God? Where are the soul winners? Well, they might make fun of me, Bryce, for saying something. They might make fun of me. They might say something. Oh, really? He was mocked. He was ridiculed. Stripped and beaten. They crucified him. And, and we're afraid. I think it's time for this church to have a movement. I think it's time for revival to break out here at Landmark Church. I think it's time for some Holy Ghost-filled believers to leave this property today, deputized by the name of Jesus, to run out to your cars, run out of this church, and begin to share the goodness of God with everyone that you meet. Share with them, hey, Jesus is coming. Hey, Jesus is coming. Hey, Jesus is coming. Hell is hot. Hell is real. Heaven is real. And Jesus still saves. Paul was eagerly, as our music comes, Paul was eagerly waiting the coming of the Lord. My concern is there are people who are passively hoping that we have a little longer. Not because we want to see more souls saved, but because we just have a whole lot more going on down here. And it seems to be a little bit better 
It's because we've just stopped thinking about it. We have our dreams and we have our goals and our desires. Minded of the country song, I believe it was in the 90s, Lord, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go tonight. It's a lot of people's mentality. A lot. Paul was eagerly awaiting the coming of the Lord. What are you saying, Bryce? I, I, I'm saying be smart. Use wisdom. Don't be dumb. Don't do any of that dumb stuff. Don't be like, well, the I'm telling you, you can do those things, but you can also live like he may come tomorrow. In fact, you need to live like he may come before the end of this service. We want to advance the kingdom of God. I preach the kingdom and I'll never stop preaching the kingdom because while we are here, we are to occupy. But finish that verse. Occupy until he Paul goes on to say, we eagerly await the Lord's presence. Are we there yet? No. But we're on our way. Paul said, be careful who you follow. Know where you're from and understand your future. Paul said, hey, follow me and follow apostles like me. Why would Paul say that? Why would Paul say, follow me? It's because Paul was following Jesus. Be careful who you follow. Because everybody is listening to a voice. Everybody. And everybody you're following is going somewhere. Be careful who you follow. Paul says, follow me. And he says this in the context of having choices to follow. He said, there are other people who I've told you about before, and now I tell you, their God is their belly. Their shame is their glory. And they think earthly thoughts. My wife and I and our two boys and one that's on the way in October. <laughs> I've already decided, as archaic as it may sound and as old-fashioned as it may be, I've already decided that I'm going to build my life around the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell my kids to live pure and holy lives because heaven is real. I'm going to tell them to run from darkness. Don't dabble with it in the slightest. I want to build my life around Jesus because he's coming. He's coming. Stand with me this morning. I'm done. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.